This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about cloud computing with Chris Witt, CEO of Wake Technology Services. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thank you, Howard. Good to be here. Just for starters, why don't you give us a bit of a framework about cloud computing for to start today's discussion? Cloud computing is used for a lot more than just purely what the purists would call cloud computing. So in any discussions, I always want to properly frame my comments and point of view so they're not taken uh, out of context or, or people believe that I'm neglecting certain aspects of, of what they believe cloud computing to be. This might all be obvious, but again, I've run into a lot of confusion when discussing the cloud. And I assume our discussion is directed towards the public cloud. And by this, uh, I'm referring to uh, cloud services being provided by a third party at one or more of their locations. This is different than what typically uh, people call the private cloud or private cloud services which are hosted either out of your own data center or a co-location site that you are using uh, for your data center services. The reason for this uh, distinguishing between these two is that organizations will handle their private clouds in a very similar fashion to how they handle their traditional computing resources. However, a new security mindset needs to be focused on the public side because there are some different nuances to that. In addition, what also gets wrapped up in that umbrella of cloud services is applications. I mean, tr- cloud services really is just a platform or an infrastructure service that's being provided. And this is very different than uh, what you would consider a hosted application. Whether or not that hosted application is, quote, living in the cloud or not, it, it really doesn't matter at that point because it doesn't matter what the platform is, you know, as long as they live up their, to their contractual service levels. Okay. What do you see as the biggest privacy and security risks posed by cloud computing as you defined it? The greatest challenges are controlling the location of the data and who has access to it. And they're, the, they're the two main things that keep, that'll keep CIOs up at night. Um, where's the data and who can touch it? because they're the things that are defined by HIPAA and high-tech that you must keep control of. But the power of the cloud is in removing the user from that physical server, the storage, uh, the network components, by using virtualization technologies. This provides some great benefits when it comes to things like automatic provisioning, rapid deployment, and in general, better overall uh, utilization of the assets themselves. However, this does come at the expense of losing direct control over those assets. Uh, in the cloud, you no longer own those devices. Uh, somebody else owns and controls those devices. So in your server instances, data storage can live anywhere in the, in the world. And you don't know, uh, you would never know the difference, whether it's down the street or on the other side of the world. This presents some problems when you have uh, certain regulatory requirements that prohibit data from being located, say, in other countries even. Uh, I know in some of the European countries, they're very restrictive on where healthcare data can reside. Um, The United States 
Not so much, but there's other restrictions there uh, that fall under the HIPAA and high-tech umbrella. In addition to knowing where that data resides, um, a related risk is tracking who has access to it. Uh, and, and by access, I'm referring to the you know, who has physical access to the location you know, where those servers and the, and the storage systems reside. It also refers to the, the system and storage administrators who have access to the devices for support purposes. And physical media, uh, such as like, tapes and disk drives, now, for audit purposes, you need to be able to track all of these points of access. And while it's not impossible, the cloud does make it a little bit more difficult. What are the critical elements of a strong contract with a cloud computing company, then? So before jumping into uh, a contract and, and sitting down at the table with the, you know, with the cloud vendor, the organization has to perform some due diligence. Uh, this will make the contract negotiations go far smoother. So if you're not comfortable with how the cloud vendor runs their operation and you're not 100% confident that they can provide similar or even better protections than uh, you are already providing, then you probably should not be moving forward with that vendor regardless of how good of a contract you can negotiate. So at a minimum, you should understand how the vendor provides physical security to their locations. Uh, you should be confident that the vendor employs strong operational framework uh, that sets the rules for access to the devices, how they handle removable media, and, of course, the eventual destruction of that media because it's almost a, a cradle-to-grave type of scenario as far as the data is concerned. Then once you're satisfied that the vendor is doing uh, all the right things, uh, you can then negotiate a contract that legally binds them to, uh, to doing those things correctly. Now, aside from the normal terms and conditions of a contract, you want to focus on certain measurable performance and penalty items uh, that are specific to your needs um, in the world of cloud computing. But related now to pri security and privacy, uh, some of the items that, uh, that you would probably want to include would be uh, ensuring that you receive regular reporting that includes things such as physical location of data instances, access logs, and uh, you know, tracking of uh, that removable media I mentioned earlier. Uh, you also need to know how you'll get your data returned upon termination of the contract. Uh, this is not always an easy area. Only because we're dealing with large volumes of data, especially in healthcare. You know, when you're dealing with a lot of image data, uh, things of that nature, you're in the large terabytes uh, quantity of data and reaching petabytes of data, and that you just can't copy on a thumb drive and, and go down the street and move to another vendor. So. The challenge is to make sure that all those uh, ground rules are set in stone up front so you know how to, uh, how to proceed in the event that you would terminate the contract. Because vendors, they're human. I mean, they can be less than helpful when you're transferring your business to a competitor. Another area is you need to define how your uh, data and server instances are destroyed upon decommissioning of the assets or termination of the contract. 
So you want assurances that that data will not live on beyond your use of it. So that's that's a critical component. You also need to know your rights or define your rights, rather, in the event the vendor is acquired. Uh, the cloud market is still relatively young, and we'll probably see uh, some more mergers and acquisitions taking place before it does eventually stabilize and the, and the larger players kind of bubble up. And in most cases, this, this shouldn't pre- present any problem, but if the acquiring organization is one that uh, you do not care to do business with, then you definitely need an out. One of the more important items in a contract that uh, that needs to be addressed is you need to define exactly how breaches or suspected breaches are handled. And this is very important because you know in, in healthcare this is key, and this is where all your liability is right there. So uh, um, with each of those items, you, you define your expected outcomes. And then, just as important, you need to find the appropriate penalty for non-performance of each of those. And they need to be daunting enough that it would motivate the vendor to uh, continue doing the right thing. Now, that list, it's not all-encompassing, but uh, they're the major ones that, uh, that immediately come to mind. Should organizations that use cloud computing demand the vendor make extensive specific use of encryption? Ideally, yes. Now, in a perfect world, end-to-end encryption provides the best protection. Uh, however, this is not always feasible. It's it's hard enough to get the application vendors to fully support server virtualization, you know, let alone full encryption. But that's not to say that's not the, the direction they're heading in. It's just not realistic today. So at a minimum, you need to look at what are the encrypted items that are things that you have to have, so your high-risk areas, and then look at ones that would be to the next tier of risk that you would like to see. So any tape or other removable media should be encrypted. That's that's a no-brainer. Uh, all network communication should be encrypted. Again, that's straightforward. Uh, they're the easy ones. Everybody uh, already does this today or should be doing it. And that next level or next tier should include SAN storage. Um, there's technology available today to encrypt all data on the drives, and it is able to do it without a significant performance penalty. But again, and encrypting those drives protects the organization from someone pulling a drive out of a SAN and walking away with it. And that's really what you want to do is if they do walk away with it, it's not your asset that you're worried about because it's somebody else's asset, but it is your data. So you need to make sure that data is protected. Finally, what details should be spelled out in a business associate agreement with a cloud computing vendor to adequately address HIPAA and high-tech ed compliance? Is that business associate agreement separate from the overall contract with the vendor as well? What I've typically seen um, in working with, with clients and, and their, uh, their attorneys is that the BAA will always be separate, and it will always take precedence over all the other agreements, whether there's master services agreements, MSEs, MSAs, schedules. I mean, usually there's a whole list of different uh, legal documents that are involved in, uh, in deals. But the BAA should always take precedence, and it should always be focused on 
the HIPAA and high-tech compliance issues. Uh, now, as it relates to cloud computing, there really is nothing particularly different that would be spelled out in a BAA with a cloud vendor as opposed to any other vendor. It still needs to cover all the basic terms relating to um, you know, allowable access to PHI, notification of access to PHI, notification of disclosure, things like that. It must also define a vendor's responsibilities and liabilities in the case of a disclosure. Now, ideally, the organization wants a BAA that provides them with unlimited liability relief so they're not burdened with uh, any of the notification or legal costs related to a, a disclosure. But this is very difficult. You know, vendors do not like unlimited liability. But regardless of, of how much liability protection you're able to bake into the BAA or, or ultimately even whose fault it is for the disclosure, it will still be your organization's name in the headlines of the newspaper uh, when, when a breach occurs. So, I mean, ultimately, the, the BAA is, is a protecting document, and it, it should be pretty much the same um, for all your vendors. We've been talking today with Chris Witt of Wake Technology Services. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.